Welcome to the Pivot Cast. This episode was recorded on April 5th, 2018, at the Transact Club. This episode features readings from Virginia Conchin, Shannon Framer, and Danny Couture. Just so you know, this episode contains a bit of sexual content and strong language. Listener's discretion is advised. Special thanks to Michelle Brown for recording this episode. First up, Shannon Bremer, a poet and playwright. Precious Energy from Book Hug, September 2017, is her fourth book of poetry. Her plays, Monarita, The Collectors, and The Hungriest Woman in the World have appeared in juried festivals across the country. Among them, New Ideas Toronto, the Women's Work Festival, St. John's, and Sarasvati Femfest Winnipeg. A full production of The Hungriest Woman in the World premiered at Theatre Passmorei in December 2017. Please welcome Shannon to for having me. I've always wanted to read at the pit. So I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, really nervous as I, as I tend to be at times. Um, I'm going to read an epigraph from my, from my book, Precious Energy, because I've never done that since it came out, and I've always wanted to, and it's, it's a, a line from a Fred Eaglesmith song, and um, if you don't know Fred, you should look him up, because he's a little... Canadian gem, the singer-songwriter, and the epigraph is, when Millie woke up, there was makeup all over her pillow. That's what opens my book. (laughs) And there's a lot of poems in here about motherhood and about um, confused sort of boundaries, and um, there's a lot of poems in this book where children's um, voices and their thinking and the things that concern themselves infect the speaker in the poem. So you'll see that a lot. And I'm going to start with a poem called um, She's the One Who Lost Her Mom. She's the one whose mom is mean about the ice cream truck. And she's the one whose mom won't vaccinate. And she's the one whose mom is in Mitsubishi ads. And she's the one whose mom teaches us about peanut allergies. She's the one whose mom is sad a lot, and she's the one whose mom got divorced again. She's the one whose mom can sew dolls, pillows, and other broken stuff back together. She's the one whose mom makes metal jewelry and tiny chairs, and she's the one whose mom is against gluten. She's the one whose mom who hates it outside, and she's the one with two or three, maybe four moms, who all have azaleas drawn on their arms and shoulders. She's the one with the mom who came to visit our class and talked about volcanoes, who loves roses and accounting. The one with the same mom who told us we all need to get bank accounts in our own names and learn about money now while we're still young. (laughs) This one's called White Paper Birds. Sometimes you have to breastfeed your kid even when you don't feel like breastfeeding your kid. Near the end of her feed, she pulls off to look at you with her round eyes and you don't look away. Sometimes you have to sing your kid to sleep even when you don't feel up to any song. When you put her down, she cries. She always cries. 
You pick her up and you are a piece of glass. You kiss her and kiss her and pick her up and put her down and kiss her again like a wolf. You are a real mother. You don't kick or break any toys on purpose. And you don't scream and you don't weep. Your baby grows. You've got a shiny red shovel for all your shitty feelings. You've got a daughter with a broken lip where she's been biting down. The house is full of nests, tiny piles of torn newsprint, a million crumpled swans swimming down the stairs, another life folded inside each paper bird. And this one's called About a Wedding. Pete should have been invited. There were poets, customers. My mother wore a tuxedo. We had to watch our numbers so no children, no Pete. I felt a bit sloppy. My dress had spaghetti straps that kept slipping from my shoulders. We had a rectangle for a table instead of a circle, which still bothers me when I think about it. It was October. I don't regret the chrysanthemums or the deviled eggs sprinkled with cumin. I wish I got to have one. The church was a choice, like folk music, like Tom Waits. I'm happy to remember dancing with my two fathers at once because now I have none. No peep of the horses and trees. My stepsisters refused to show up. The chocolate cake tasted like a funeral home. One of my bridesmaids puked in a limo. None got on my dress, but a bit got in my hair. That's how it goes with weddings. <laughs> Pete should have been invited. Harriet, clever Harriet, shouldn't have been there at all. <laughs> Three dioramas. One. It's not an easy oblivion. For example, sometimes I still love my collarbones. Tipsy as a baby buried in a tree. Passed out as a solitary swan in the basement, forgetting light. Oblivion, a bruise the size of a cruise ship. Faced. Faced as a mother of three. Mother of three, I said. Two. What's wrong with me is also what's wrong with my mother. I cry straight into his eyelashes. I pee through my new dress. I kiss her hands. I fold laundry. I can't move. Your grandson is growing like a tombstone. She plays with tomatoes. She smells green like vines. I love dirt. I hate dirt on his noodles. Don't worry, once the bunnies black out, you might have some sex. A husband, stop hiding your purse. Be resilient. My bunnies, my babies. And this one is where the title of the book comes from, Precious Energy. It's in three parts. Part one, dazzling white towels the size of blankets. I think towels are revealing. If I go to someone's house to sleep and they say, oh, I left some towels on the bed, I race right over to see them. <laughs> I like when towels match or fluffy. Suzanne, who is still single, has dashing white towels the size of blankets. Jennifer and her husband, Tim, keep two kinds of towels. Buttery, yellow hooded towels for their three small children and thick green sage towels for themselves and their guests. I was drunk at a party they had recently and stumbled into their walk-in linen closet. <laughs> they had beautiful sheets and pillowcases too. I stayed in there for a long time. <laughs> 
two, <laughs> a generous woman with shabby towels. My towels, on the other hand, look like the towels of someone who's given up. <laughs> when people stay with us, I always give each guest at least three towels. I insist on providing clean towels every day. I'm generous with my towels, even if the towels themselves are shabby. My husband and I have never spent money on good towels. Whenever we find ourselves in a place where we might buy some new ones, we always change our minds or pretend to forget. I pretend to forget. I don't think my husband cares about towels. He often uses the same one for weeks before deciding to take a fresh one. <laughs> I pretend to forget about my desire for new towels because I don't want to ask him for extra money. I don't want him to know that I'm thinking about towels or my friend's towels, that I'm wasting my precious energy, as he might put it. I'd rather buy some expensive wine and drink that and forget about whatever it is I think I might want. <laughs> Three. My Uncle Steve used to give me a new towel every Christmas, a high-quality cotton towel. As soon as I finished university and got engaged, he stopped with the towels. <laughs> Perhaps he thought that once I got married, my husband would look after the towels, or maybe he thought we might get a bunch at our wedding. At that time, I was overloaded with mismatched towels. I didn't put any on the gift registry. I was so young, I didn't think it suited me to have things that matched. <laughs> I never even heard of Martha Stewart. None of my friends owned houses. My uncle's towels are the ones we still use. There are nine of them. They are navy blue, maroon, teal, and brown. There are also four with black and white zebra stripes and one pink one, the first he ever got me. They are forlorn towels. They are soft with age, worn. The pink one smells like our six-year-old daughter. On a good day, I truly love our towels. I indulge myself and think of them as beautiful. In any way, we keep them, despite our malaise, despite our scorn. I'm just going to read a couple more. This one's called The Cold Feel of the Forks and Knives. At 6.35 in the morning, it's all in the sound of the cutlery. How will he handle it? If there's any roughness, he's just hurry, don't worry. Things will get easier. My son <coughs> likes to throw his plastic cup. We need him to touch things he might break, even me. I don't want to think about my husband's hands or the cold feel of the forks and knives. I'm afraid of what comes next. I listen, I listen to him empty the dishwasher. It's a wonder some people are not sad. Coffee now. He's on the stairs with our third child and coming in to wake me up. So this poem was called The Toy and it was written after a poem by Emily Dickinson. My life stood in corners until you made us a new home for playing. At first I called you owner. You scolded and commanded me to be a real friend. You took me to your room, you took me to the woods. You taught me to hunt soft animals and turn all rabbits into small coats for our, our cold hands. Now I'm so obedient, I smile for you. I guard your sleeping head. We share a pillow. Your enemies are mine. I have none before. Even a flower I could hurt now for you. And this last one I just want to send out to my daughter, Lydia who um, she struggles a little bit with anxiety and intrusive thoughts and then I tried to write a poem for her for a long time and a really long poem and I worked with um, Jennifer Lovegrove on this book who's a wonderful editor and helped, she helped me find the little poem inside this 
It's okay to hate me, I tell my daughter. You can love me and you can hate me again. You can have a thought about a woman's open mouth closing over a cloud, swallowing it whole. Maybe you see her biting all the branches off a tiny tree, and you're sure it hurts. You can have a thought that is a lie. It feels true in your throat. is Virginia Conchin. Virginia is the author of a collection of poetry, The End of Spectacle, from Carnegie Mellon 2018, a collection of short stories, Anatomical Gift, from Noctuary Press 2017, and two chapbooks, including That Tree is Mine, Dancing Girl Press 2017. Her work has appeared in The New Yorker, The New Republic, and Best New Poets, and her honors include an NEH Fellowship and an Illinois Arts Council Award co-founder of Matter, a journal of poetry and political commentary, and associate editor for Tupelo Quarterly. She teaches at Morris College. Please welcome Virginia. Matter, I love being in Toronto, and thank you to all my friends that came out tonight. Um, I'm just going to read a few poems from The End of Spectacle and a few new poems. This is for all the Zsa Zsa Gabor fans in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's at least one. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell by your jacket. <laughs> Zsa Zsa Gabor learns to read. I touch the platinum helmet of my head, call out to my daughter, Constance Francesca. In my bedroom closet is a threadbare blouse I purchased in Hungary. I don it, tie a sash around my waist. How does one represent thinking? I am a European idol. Motherhood keeps me sane. When Jesus appeared at the murky well, I was there with my 500 husbands. <laughs> <laughs> the blue vault of my illiteracy made manifest in my butchering of the vowels in his name. Corpus Christi. Dear ganglion, Dear aorta, dear progenitor, dear nerve, dear darling lady in your pencil skirt, your skittish laughter, like an emergency brake applied to the non-event of history, turns me on. Dear one of helter-skelter lifestyle choices, and even worse, savoir-faire, you treat your body like the common ancestor it is. Dear gray matter, dear black matter, dear hurdy-gurdy of memory, drawing us back and in. Dear memory of romance, perfume, perfume stopper longing for its ogive perdu, Chanel number five, four, three, or two. In the air, there you root remains, in the air. I shudder without theater or jest for you. This one is called Love Story. My body has never been my body. It has been a bucket of asphalt upside down in a puerile wind. My horse faltered at the finish line. I whipped it, and it plunged forth like froth on the crest of a wave. My horse is my body, my body, my horse. Slick flank, waxen hair, do not bother to do the math. My mouth is full of epithet, my horse is fat and tame. Touch me, announce yourself, 
now is the heroic age. There's a whole series of poems in this book about um, Dolores Hayes, <laughs> the muse from Lolita. So I'll read just one of those. Dolores Hayes enters the 10th grade. <laughs> I open my clenched fists, breathe in atomized air, keening for the whistle of the kettle, train, or inner ear. The man I fled and toward whom I'm walking with purposeful gait are not the same man. To one I was datum, flesh, a beast to harness for a life on a racetrack, circling madly at impossible speeds. To the other I am human, quiet in my orbit and clean. I shut the door to the boudoir with reluctance, open geometry, chicken scratch, whose formal logic I will to be worthy of love, endeavor to understand, master, or believe. I'll just read two more from this book. This one is called The Rose Away in Chivalry. It's an ekphrastic poem um, based off a painting uh, by Monet. The Rose Away in Chivalry. And in the reticulate distance, the cued inertia of Lucifer astounds. Our feet bleed, buoyant the body at its task. What you wanted was what I wanted. Slant of sun to the left, twinkling of civilization elsewise, and the moon, wealth of history, to our backs, all come hither and dream. Motion understood is philosophy deferred, peace the felt pathos of space and time. Look, darling, at the establishing shot. It's downright biblical, this thrown together vista, world upon the world without end. Just to give you a visual, it's just a very simple, basic painting of a kind of a road reaching toward a vanishing point. <laughs> and I'll just read more from this book. Okay, serenade. That there should be ceremony. Away into the photo album before Sapia became de rigueur. That there should be upright collars, a flower on the mantle as a timepiece. In this way, the flower does not differ from the camera itself, from the lucidity of the operative lens with the shuttlecock eye closing when done after recording the blurred colors of transient things. I dream of Ruth, stock still amid the corn. I dream you, your staff laid waste on fertile soil that there should be fruit, that it should be proffered and initially refused, that paradise should pile up on your ship, gorgeous at the helm of the bodhisattva's sumptuous robe. But before you mean leave taking, the gondolier idols in the queue, the last tremolo string of the principal cellist should convey sotto voce, I was commissioned for you. I'll just read a couple of new ones just because it can be fun to read the poems. <laughs> this one's actually not very new, but it's much newer than those poems. It's, it was written on election day of last year when the world went up in flames. <laughs> <laughs> election day. To find a form that accommodates the mess, 
One must dive deep into shell-shocked shores, past the shallows into the heart of the wreck. There you will find the ruins of civilization, obliterated husk of symphonic holes. Listen, the tinny music from the pleasure boat is still carried by the wind. There, there, I will cloak you with the solicitude of centuries. I will write on your body with the squid ink of uncertainty. This land is your land. This land is my land. This land belongs to the exorable animals we've attempted to eliminate, buffalo, wolves, and to, the, and to the dispossessed. There is no largesse enough to accommodate the terror you feel. Pull up a chair, take a number. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound of the roulette wheel. This is a cento, so it's composed entirely of lines that are not mine, that are borrowed from other poets. It's called To the Pole Star. To the, to the pole star I leave my alien regalia, to mercy I leave whatever. Any fool can get into an ocean, but it takes a hero to get out of one. Wind chimes off-key in the alcove. We are a smear of obscenity on the lake whose only peace is a hole where the moon abandoned us. Sometimes the speeches are so beautiful it hurts. At night before I go to sleep I am already dreaming. I examine my feelings without feeling anything. Consider the hands that write this letter, and I will consider you as you twist in a wrapped mechanical dream. Destroy yourself if you don't know. If a rifle fires a shot in the woods, whose body first hits the ground? In a wailful choir, the small gnats mourn. Where are the songs of spring? In a cloud, in a tree, now I live. I have a seat in the abandoned theater. <coughs> I wait the hour when gods have more to give. Just two short ones to end. This one is Epithemalium, a poem written on the occasion of marriage. That's the, the description of the form, not part of the poem. <laughs> <laughs> I ask you to help me move the cadaver, you demure. I ask you to help me conjugate French verbs, you aver. I ask you for the sun and moon to rewrite the dictionary to decolonize modern love. I ask your help in coming of age, with middle age, with contractions and police records. I ask you to preserve me from official officialdom, <coughs> to wait for hours while I paint my face and set my hair. I want the pure thought unchained, smallest units of language conspiring to become other as they balance like molecules of air. And this last one is a love poem called Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Furtive is the version I want. Letters sketched like Lewis's undoing in the sky. Divine playmate among all possible universes, there is this one, a former church tower with disappearing spire, now a fusion restaurant that only those with day jobs as bankers can afford. I want you undamaged skin like porcelain or marble, something weather can beat and not leave scars. A world emerges from a dinosaur egg. You are in the midst of it, playing Dvorak on your cello, while I lay back reading the braille, a historical of the stars. Danny Couture is the author of several collections of poetry and the novel, Algoma. 
Invisible Publishing. Whose work has been nominated for the Trillium of Award of Poetry. Received an honor of distinction from the Registrist of Canada's Dane Ogilvy. How do you say that thing? Dane Ogilvy. Ogilvy. Price. For emerging LGBTQ writers and won the Realist Award for Poetry. Her new collection of poetry, Listen Before Transmit, was published by Walsuck and Wynn in March. Please welcome. Thanks to um, Michelle Inconicia and Translac and Pivot, which is one of my favorite places to be. Um, you wore out your welcome with radiant ability is the title of this poem because I couldn't take the exact lyric from the Pink Floyd song. <laughs> worry. <laughs> you wore out your welcome with radiant ability. Tarred, tarried July above the finger point of bylaw. Quiet men are quietly roofing in runic arrests. Progress can be stopped with minor internal damage and a length of rope short enough to miss the point. Everything can and will happen at once, except the sun's light, which is not full, but an incomplete weave that covers the most controversial areas of interest. In a cab you know without lesson, it's better to talk to your hour's dead cat wedged into its carrier like an overstuffed closet of furs. It's okay. Hello, little one. It's okay. It's better for everyone if you decide it's better for everyone. This is the takeaway. In coolers, the dead become firmer in their resolve to remain firm. At home, celery softens and pools in the corner you regularly remember to forget. Telephones channel the regrets of future days. Drift through intersections like a planchette you're directing but would deny. The roads are being torn up for new roads. Anyone could have predicted that, even you. Keep Gully's best intentions and the hours lean. Work crews adopt fresh pace. You will find out the work you do is internal. You will undo it. A spill of vinegar into the milk. You are being closed into the hour like an exhibit. When the glass comes down, a voice will say, It's okay. It's okay. Air conditioners drone in precision clocks. The air will last until it doesn't. The next poem is Prototype. Whenever a shadow crawls past, we look up. A million years of instinct, the oldest unrequited love story retold with a crouch. The sphere, a helical hand-me-down, improvised tool for a machine no longer in use, or an ally egg waiting to crack and become the winged thing that flies overhead. In St. Cloud, the holy measure is measured against itself and found wanting. Its sisters ripple out in cloth and watt, while our milk is kept in museums. Here on Earth, everything stands for one thing, or what it used to be. Atomic placeholders. When someone dies, we can say they were reorganized. Moonrock to presidential paperweight. Or moonrock lost among earth rocks, or moonrock cataloged and forgotten and equally forgotten covered. Over time, inevitably, substitutions are offered, changeling economies of spec. There are hours that come with a price for having seen them. 
Nightly the moon hues a dimly projected morning. Shut your eyes and hold out your hands. Wait for the night deposit of your peculiar which is not mine. Tell me, how did you keep splitting only to become one thing? This poem is for Grace, uh, who gave me a t-shirt and it ended up as a poem. Um, so be it. Small, orange, and blue. And I, I should say, um, we both spent time in the same residency, which was a mansion in the middle of nowhere on a river with no curtains. So at night, it's just these big black squares that you could imagine everything uh, was coming at you from. <laughs> but the only thing that was were these. Really <laughs> <laughs> they were giant white moths that kept like. <laughs> they were a nice company. Small orange and blue. A white t-shirt with small orange and blue horses galloping uniformly in rows, trample along, invert nipples, tumble into single umbilical knot, break legs, require, require a degree of compassion compassion will not allow. So nay, and everyone stays awake. Tomorrow, no bother with simple armor against imagined elements, or curtsying sleep in with formality. The dressage of clouds of white moths stickered to bare windows, pressing their fur-trimmed bodies against every light I've left turned on in the absence of anyone who might turn them off. Whoever said the White House wasn't an invitation. And forgive me, many of these I'm reading for the first time, and I'm not so nervous, I didn't practice them. Um, next poem is called A Brief History. There's a quote before it. I bought the book simply uh, because it was the first instance that the word astronaut was ever used uh, in the form of astronautique, it's in French. Um, and a very, very, very rough translation of the quote is um, basically science will save us, which it's not doing, right? <laughs> 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 I, I, the book is in French. Half of my family is francophone. I can't read French, so I pointed a line, transcribed it, and wrote, wrote this. So a brief history. De prochain proche, votre science mettre notre esprit à l'ébrie. And it's by J.H. Rosny, and he, uh, which is his pseudonym, otherwise his name was Joseph Henri Bouex. Uh, and the book was Les Navigateurs de l'Infini. Witness to a swarm of false jellies that alternate between yellow smiley face thank yous and black come agains. Molds, positives released to the new wild gyre. Inland, a rough, stu a roughed up, stuffed animal forgotten in 83 Pizza Hut now is buried as anybody. Even if the weather has been digging up graves. Paracycle, float down washout highways, a soft lashing against your leg that says you've lost an understanding of your surroundings and cannot go back. What feels like a small death is only a tolling Korean's passing attention. Blister, a moment in the key of minor. The index of our refraction is negligible, but enough for you to believe we're still evolving or able to change even basic habits forgetting to lock the front door, or learning to forget. Our life cycles are hardly understood in comparison to X, the variable we have not yet discovered but expect to listen to Chuck Berry. We're growing, 
through one another like finger traps and will soon turn 200 with minimal consequence. Still recalcitrant, Earth may one day buck us toward the closest possible exo. No matter, we're heavy, we require launching, are many. We have our time, if not the time of others. Tonight, we remain here, waterlogged with cured nostalgia, our memories revealed by salt and suspended in gelatin, some improvised analog carved into gold fired at some future target. Sit with me. The math of tonight's half-light, heaven's melted plastics, renders us moderately more attractive, which in part keeps us breeding to extend the thoughts we've been thinking. <laughs> Today, I've come to understand humans like photos of themselves like their pasts, taken at a distance, at a midpoint unmistakable, allowing one to consider that it could have gone a different way and possibly did or will. You waking up instead of waking down to the next 40 years, which is now the past 40 years. It's been so long we visited the moon Every archival photo looks like a looks taken from a single road trip we based our entire lives on. Yesterday, I purchased a second-hand tin of old photographs and tried to understand them as Boex's waning trépieds. But it's too late. By the time you tell someone to look at the harvest moon, it's reduced, gone plain as any other night. Um, I'm just going to read, I guess, two more. Um, so thanks. <laughs> Contact. Cloud cover like a badly made bed, wrapped in sections, rushed. Whatever for reasons of a lifetime of do-overs, why bother trying to change? The gathered duvet sometimes mimics you, makes double, doubles a decoy, an escape plan the safety of numbers and cover. When the wing dips, a hole in the sky revealed, but until then, a man in the aisle seat. Calculations to see if it's possible to slide through the fish-eye window. If he touches your thigh again, your face. We like our planes fashioned after ships. The illusion one could jump or be forced off and possibly survive between the distance and everything that wants to live how it's always lived without compromise. When does knowing a person begin? Was it when he noted you look like his ex-wife? Hair naturally red, not like yours, fake. He can tell, but it's okay. What your children together would look like. That if you'd been born in Fayetteville, he would have liked to have known you, feels he does. Not like the absent husband his mind weds you to. The one who abandoned you to his company like a firing squad to its post, waiting for a reason to prove worth. The moment he asked for vodka on the 53-minute flight from Charlotte to Wilmington to bridge the gap between pre- and post-flight beers. Or how he lifted his shirt to show you where his lungs had been punctured and once collapsed, he said he briefly died and is now briefly alive. Uh, and I'll end with transit of Mercury. 
The freckle on my sister's hazel iris replicates the May transit of Mercury across our sun. Every 13 or 33 years, orbits line up to make theory believable to the layman splayed out on Earth, like a poor man's star made of lesser dust. For a span of hours, she becomes a universe. And yet, I have no sister. She would have smoked and blown blue out windows into exhaust vents, our DNA flickering like ancient Christmas lights that eventually burned down the house. Her hand, the one I held, was somersaulting back into a black pool of anesthetic, waking corrected into her security. Or the night our father left, and I held hers, pressed into life like a fiber for a favor to be called in later. At 42, my sister taught me to drive. I leaned over and held the still warm wheel while she put up her hands as if surrendering to greater authority. <laughs> Only ever heir to her absence, I tried to sister my mother, another sister, a stranger, a man, heir. So when I say I miss you, it's not to you, but through to the palm trees on the throw pillow that are not actual palms, but I enjoy the idea of their shade when the sun hits them right. Thank you so much. For more information on the Pivot Readings, go to pivotreadings.ca.